Welcome back to another MicroConf Refresh episode where we look back at some of the best MicroConf talks from the last, well, more than decade of events. This talk is from a recent MicroConf remote, and it is from Jessica Malnick. The title is Quickly Delivering Feature Requests Using No-Code. Any SaaS founder can tell you that implementing feature requests is a major drain on their resources. So in this talk, Jessica walks you through the building of a feature request, which is our MicroConf Connect Wiki, how she built it and deployed it quickly, and how you can use the same tools to build MVPs for your most requested features. Before we dive into that, I want to mention that MicroConf Local London is next week. If you're in the UK and you want to hear from me in person, Asia Arangio, Brennan Dunn, and meet with other local B2B SaaS founders, come to the event, microconf.com slash local dash London. It's going to be a great time. Few speakers. We're going to hang out do some workshops, eat some lunch, have a happy hour. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to be honest, and I hope that I will see you there. And with that, let's dive into the talk from Jessica on how to quickly deliver feature requests using no code. And we are back for our second and final talk of the day. I hope you enjoyed your time in the library or the beach. There were some really good conversations uh, that I came across as I was wandering around the micro map. I want to thank, as we emerge back into uh, the rest of our content for today, I want to thank our brokerage partner for the year. It's Quiet Light Brokerage. I talked a little about them yesterday, but they have been around for more than a decade helping founders sell their SaaS companies, their software companies, uh, WordPress plugins, content sites, e-commerce sites, um, you know, pretty much the gamut. And they have a list a large list of uh, buyers who are you know interested in acquiring and then they facilitate um, they help you essentially put together a brief and then they facilitate a transaction for you to exit and um, take some cash off the table and move on to your next thing so thanks so much for uh, to quiet light for supporting microconf and supporting independent founders we're going to dive right into our next talk it's quickly delivering feature requests using no code this is from Jessica Malnick. She's a community builder, content strategist, and a copywriter. Her writing has appeared on The Next Web, Social Media Examiner, SEMrush, CMX, HubSpot, Convince and Convert, among many other sites. She's going to be talking today about prioritizing implementing feature requests can be a major drain on time. An alternative is to use no code to quickly build and deploy new features. She's going to walk through an example that she's helping us with. She uh, is helping MicroConf um, develop our community wiki and um, her stack. She's going to dive into Airtable, Zapier, Softer, Slack, Phantom Buster, and Drip. So let's give a warm MicroConf welcome to Jessica Malnick. Hey, Jessica. Hey. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to head backstage and let you take it from here. Absolutely. Cool. So hi, guys. Today, I am going to be talking specifically about how you can quickly deliver both feature requests as well as like internal tools using no code. Um, so a little bit of background about me and why you should even care about this presentation. For starters, I'm a marketer and a community manager. Um, definitely not a developer. So if I can figure out how to use these no-code tools, pretty much anyone can. And some of the benefits of using no-code in particular is you can get a lot faster build times to get a working MVP. Uh, it tends to be a lot cheaper. When you're not a developer like me, 
It means you're gonna have more control over the final product and the features uh, and the feature that you're building and with a specific feature request and internal tools that you're building. Um, it's also a really great way to be able to deliver on customer promises quicker um, and with fewer resources, especially if you know, you're know you in marketing or support and you kind of interact with customers on either customer interviews or on support calls and you notice like features that are coming up all the time, you can, get, you can use no-code tools to deliver some of those feature requests as an MVP and get feedback and really wow um, customers. And finally, it's a really, really good and useful for automating repetitive or tedious tasks. So those are some of the benefits of no code. Um, and in particular, it kind of correlates with a larger trend that I think many of you have probably seen within news articles and blogs where it's like the rise of this role called the director of automation, which is one of the, which um, probably is going to be one of the most hired roles in the next decade. And it's all about either building feature requests or internal systems and tools within like companies like mid-sized to large companies and even the fact that no-code tools can play a huge part in that. Um, and just this has already kind of been come up a few times yesterday as well as today, but the no-code and the low-code tools ecosystem is absolutely massive from website builders to app builders to integrators. Um, and so forth, there are literally hundreds of tools to choose from that kind of meet that no-code or low-code tools. So chances are like there's a really, really good chance that what you're trying to build can be done with no-code tools. Um, and just as an example of what this actually looks like, in this particular talk, I'm gonna talk about a very specific feature request within MicroConf Connect um, and kind of do a little bit of working in public, but there's so many things you can build with no-code tool, no tools, including sales CRMs, uh, employee directories, customer directories, job boards, editorial calendars, event calendars, internal wikis, that's kind of the example I'm showcasing, uh, client and customer portals, uh, training portals for employees, LMS systems for courses, and the list goes on and on. You're basically just limited by, based off of your own imagination. Um, so in particular, when to use no-code tools, as I kind of said before, you can pretty much use it for almost anything, but it tends to, in my experience, uh, work the best when it's either looking to kind of speed up a repetitive or very tedious uh, manual process. So like, you know, first thing that kind of comes to mind there is like a client portal or customer support billing, um, getting like a really quick MVP up to kind of gauge if customers even want this or what they're really looking for as well. And another use case that I won't really get into here, but you can, and I have seen using no code tools to give like a really good working VP to like your product engineering team to kind of speed up development. So this brings me to what the crux of this talk is about, which is how I am using no code tools to build out this community wiki within MicroConf Connect. Um, and one of the kind of the origin story behind this is it really is trying to solve three key point, key point, key pain points within the community. One, if you're in Slack, you kind of know that it can be kind of hard to search for content in Slack. Their search functionality leaves a lot to be desired. In addition, all content kind of disappears after 10,000 messages. Um, so, you know, and the more activity there is in Slack, um, especially when there are a couple thousand members in the community, the faster that content goes away. So this community wiki is really going to be designed um, as a way to kind of be able to search kind of the best of evergreen content 
in one place that any community member can find. So for the actual tech stack that is being used for this wiki, um, it's Zapier, Airtable, Softer, and a Phantom Buster, and of course, Drip. Um, and the crux of this tool is being built in Airtable and Softer. Airtable being the quote unquote backend database in code, um, and software kind of being what any Microsoft Connect member is going to interact with on the front end. Um, and Zapier is actually kind of the glue and quote unquote the duct tape that kind of pulls everything together from all of the tools. Um, side note, I personally think Zapier at some point in time should just read, uh, should nickname themselves the duct tape of the internet because they kind of are that. Um, and then I use a tool called Phantom Buster to pull in specific uh, YouTube videos. It's really similar to if you were listening to Andy's talk earlier. Um, it has a lot of similar functionality to Hexmatic. Um, and diving right in. So it can be really tempting to immediately go into all of these no-code tools with an idea and just immediately start tinkering around. And I would strongly, strongly, strongly recommend not doing that um, in particular because um, when you are trying to do that, you're going to waste a lot of time and oftentimes you're not gonna necessarily get the best results. So what I've done and what I would recommend and you also do is start with a mock-up. This could be as low tech as sketching out what you want to, what you want this feature request to be on a pen and paper. Um, or in like a whiteboard in your office, or it could be using um, tools um, like a digital whiteboard tool or a wireframing tool. It can be as fancy or as low-tech as you want. In my particular case, I used a tool called Miro um, to be able to build out mockups, and I literally just went through and figured out, okay, what do I want this, what should the wiki look like? And then I literally just did a mockup of every single screen on there. Um, so you can kind of see like, you know, the first thing someone's going to interact with is the member login screen. I'll get into a lot of details on why that's really, really important. Um, and then you can kind of be able to map out the crux of it and you really can't see it right here, but you can kind of map out the hand of the crux of like how people are gonna be able to search for content, um, both based off of like individual channels within Slack or became categories within the wiki. Um, as well as being able to pull in additional content like all of the microconf video vaults, vault videos. Um, and there's also plans to add in additional blog posts and essays as well. So that's kind of the crux of it is, is make sure that you don't eliminate that mock-up stage. Um, and this kind of gets into the meat of it, which is pretty much everything within this wiki um, and in all of the quote unquote backend code um, is done within Airtable. And you can kind of see here, there's a bunch that there's like, there's actually two bases, one basis for users, which you can't see here. Um, and that's gonna power, and that powers the login um, and the ability to kind of gate content within software. And then all of the actual content is being done within Airtable directly. So there are tables for all of the community threads within Slack, um, filtered in a very specific way. Um, to all of the video about content. So the first thing that had to happen to get, to even make this happen at all is to figure out how to actually get the content out of Slack in a usable format so that I could even go into software for this wiki. Um, and for that, I use Slack um, and Zapier, well, excuse me, I use Zapier and integrated Zapier between Airtable and Slack um, 
one thing if you haven't used Airtable before, which I suspect most people listening to this have, um, Airtable's Zapier integration is probably one of the best I've seen. Um, and I've used a lot of them in the past and I've set it up in a way where it's formatted so that you even have nested comments within Airtable. I'll walk through exactly how I did that in a second. Um, and then the other part of this was actually adding in blog posts and videos from like the microconf site as well as the video vault within YouTube. And for that, I actually used a tool called Phantom Buster, which extracts all of the, essentially can extract all of the video content in a format in, in a CSV file and then automatically upload it into Airtable. Super useful tool, um, would definitely recommend it. So a little bit of more details about what, because Airtable is basically the crux of all of the content, there's a specific, specific fields that are particularly useful. Um, the one is like using linked records and lookup fields is basically what powers and formatted all of the data so that it's actually going to be, so that it displays within the actual wiki in a way that's actually usable. Definitely recommend that. Um, and the second one is Airtable automations, which is basically their, if you've used Zapier as well, this is basically Zapier with an Airtable. So for example, I used it to set up specific records that match a very specific condition like profile photos, and then use that to be able to create additional records within different um, views within a base and within different tables within a base. So you can set up a lot of different things um, within Airtable to really structure the data that you're using in a way that's going to make the most sense for how you want people to interact with that content. So that brings me to the front-end front -end code and air quotes. Um, and this was all done within software. So you can kind of, so for example, you know, you could technically be like, hey, everything's in Airtable. You could send that to anyone you want. But there's many reasons why that's probably not going to be a great idea. For one, you have limited ability to gate content. Um, you can't give people different layer, layers of access that easily. Um, it's not really a great, like it's a step above searching for something in Slack, but it's still not a great UI or UX to send somebody a basically a, ster a spreadsheet on steroids. And um, it makes it harder to, you know, and if by having it in Airtable, it makes it way too easy for say someone to get access to the content you shouldn't have access. And one of the big reasons why software was being used in this particular case is gating the content. So only Microconf Connect members can see it based off of their email address um, that they use within Slack is the same email address that they're going to have access to this wiki when it starts to roll out uh, within the next month. Um, so this kind of brings it to the login screen within the wiki. So when you first join the wiki, um, you get to add in your email address and your password standard login experience, and this is just a way to be able to kind of gate all of the content um, so that it stays, you know, conversations that are happening within the Slack community stay within the Slack community ecosystem. Uh, in addition, this is kind of some work in public showcasing exactly what some of this is going to look like. So you can kind of see here within the wiki, you can search based off of a specific conversation, or you can actually hit any one of these uh, buttons at the top which is basically different categories. And these categories correspond to specific channels uh, within Slack. So you can basically pull up and say, if you wanna look for you know, videos, if you're looking for the best 
video screen sharing tool. Um, you can search it and you'll see results like this. And that is an example of one of the results. So if John's actually in here, um, congrats, you're the example uh, within this um, for this presentation. You can also search for his individual video and blog content. This is actually pulling in, I mentioned it before, but pulling in stuff from within Phantom Buster um, to be able to pull in all of the YouTube videos, all of the video vault videos, so you can listen to any of the talks. And there's a lot more that's going to be pulled in in the future, which I'll get to in a future slide. Um, and then with the whole theme of working in public, um, this is going to be rolling out in the next month or so. Um, but some there's a lot of additional features within this individual feature request, um, like adding in some ability to have, you know, leave reactions and comments within the wiki directly. So, you know, especially since most of the content in the wiki is content that, you know, has disappeared, quote unquote, from Slack. And there's also the ability to um, pull in additional content types, whether it's blogs and essays. Yeah. Um, and I won't get into all the details, but that's kind of all in the slide. Um, and kind of the final piece of the puzzle when it comes to building feature requests in no code is it can be really tempted to try to skip the processes that your, your developer development team is probably used to of QA. Definitely don't recommend that. Um, just because you might be building a feature request MVP or a feature request or an internal tool doesn't mean you should skip the QA process. Still, at the very, very, very minimum, make sure it's working across different browsers, whether it's Safari, Chrome, Firefox, Edge, um, you know, tablets, iPhones, Android device devices. Make sure that you're not just relying on you who's building this feature to actually test and QA this, but also some ideally at least one person, if not multiple people who haven't worked on the build before um, to actually go through and literally click on every single link in every single screen and see what happens. And then because there's guaranteed to be some bugs and basically record every single issue so you can prioritize and work through them. Um, you can even use Airtable for that. Okay, I know I've already mentioned this a bunch. And that is everything. Uh, any questions, comments? Yes, there are questions coming through. Thanks so much, Jessica. All right, first question. And obviously, if you are in uh, Gather right now, you can ask it in the chat, and Producer Xander will make them appear fancy-like up here on the screen. So the first question for you, Jessica, is what types of features can you build with no-code tools? Great question. So the first thing is that you're basically limited by your imagination. You can pretty much, if you want to, there are hundreds of no-code tools out there. So if you want to and you have it mapped out, you can pretty much build almost anything. However, there are certain features that I probably wouldn't recommend building. For example, if it's super, super, super tied to a whole bunch of proprietary algorithms within like your software, and it's going to need to be pulling in a whole bunch of complex data and a whole bunch of complex security things, maybe not the best feature to try to build in no code. However, if you're trying to automate a repetitive process, maybe you have like a macro set up for something in Excel, using something like that would be a really good example of how to build a feature request within no code tools. Next question is what should you consider when choosing your no code tool stack? Another great question. 
Um, the first thing kind of really goes back into what are you trying to build? Um, and also building out some sort of mock-up to really go through what does this thing need to build out and then look for the tools that are going to make sense. So for example, for a wiki or any sort of directory sort of thing, obviously a database component and having some sort of way to put in a ton of different records and a ton of different data is gonna be useful. So a tool like Airtable makes a ton of sense for something like that. Um, and given that software is basically a layer on top of Airtable, that's one of the reasons why that was chosen for this wiki. However, you're really trying to look through what is the functionality that needs to be in there and also going after, after what is your skill set. Um, so if you need something a little bit more complex, then using a tool like Bubble. Um, there's also really great communities, obviously, asking MicroConf directly, um, but there's also tools like MakerPad that are like designed specifically for no code. What are the advantages of using no code tools to build feature requests? Um, I hinted at this a little bit earlier in this presentation, but it's a lot quicker to be able to build the things um, when you're not a developer like me. It gives you a little more control and flexibility, so you can kind of get things faster, and you're not necessarily having to either hire a developer or you know work with a development team and back and forth. You can kind of take some of that ownership over yourself and kind of get, at the very least, a really, really, really strong MVP. Um, that's live. And let's see, it's our last question, unless another one comes through here in the next uh, 30 seconds or so. What are some, I think you may have addressed this already, but what are some potential drawbacks to using no-code tools uh, to build feature requests? Absolutely. So the biggest drawback, I mean, the one of the biggest drawbacks is if you, I mean, is if you're trying to build something that's extremely complex and extremely tied into either like, security or like a whole bunch of complex algorithms within an existing within your existing software probably not a great idea to use no code tools but reality is is the sky's the limit like you can build almost anything and granted i'm not a developer but i think you can build almost anything within the no code tools especially if you kind of work through and think out okay what needs to happen and at the very least you can kind of get an mvp um, that's going to be a lot better than, you know, a back of the napkin drawing where you can be like, hey, this is, you know, this might not be totally automated, but like these are like, you know, all the steps and that gives a lot of runway and flexibility that you wouldn't have before. All right. Um, if there are any other questions, we have time for uh, a couple more. I'm curious, Jessica, a question for me, um, in terms of building out this this wiki, you know, you showed the, the process and all the things that went into it. What kind of time, like overall, how many hours approximately have you invested um, in, in, you know, this type of project? That's a great question. Um, that's a great question. Um, I would say in general, the majority, like I don't necessarily have a time estimate off the top of my head, but uh, the majority of that was really in building out like the Airtable side of things and getting all the getting all of the existing content from Slack into Airtable in a format that's actually readable, um, and that's actually going to be readable within the 
within the actual wiki itself. So when a member who actually logs in and sees it within the wiki was definitely where the majority of the time and the complexity came in. Like actually adding in the layer and software is actually really easy. It's essentially just adding in a sign-up form. Right. Yeah, and that's interesting because obviously, you know, I am, as much as we use no code in, we use some tools in MicroConf and TinySeed, obviously our business is not entirely based on it, but I am familiar with Airtable, Zapier, Slack, Drip, but I had never heard of Softer and Phantom Buster. Um, those are funny names. The, how did you, how did you find those? Like, were they, rec when you, when you thought, okay, so now I need to go scrape stuff. Did you go search like no code tool to do this? Did you go into, you know, uh, a private community Slack that you, where you know a bunch of people doing no code and ask them like, what's, what's your avenue for learning about these new tools to accomplish what you need yeah. to get done? I feel like every single day there's a no new there's a new no code or a low code tool out there. Yep. Um so for software in particular, it was literally I first heard about it on Twitter. Um and I heard someone talking about their table and software software and I'm like, ooh, this is a, a pretty interesting tool. I immediately like went to the website, did a bunch of digging within Google search within Google and social media to kind of see and I'm like this looks really, really powerful. And it's built on Airtable, which is probably one of my favorite no-code tools out there just because of how powerful it is. Um, I like to call it like Google spreadsheet, Google Sheets on steroids because you could pretty much do anything in it. Like they have their own like Air and Airtable automations is a newer feature. So like it's basically Zapier for Airtable. Yeah, uh, and then for Phantom Buster, I don't know how I first heard about it. Um, I want to say I was Googling around probably two years ago, looking for something completely unrelated to this project. Um, and I found that tool just via Google. All right. We have another question from the audience. If you're, I'm not sure I understand this, so let me read it out loud and then, and then you can help me interpret it. If you were looking for a consult on your stack, what type of resources are you looking for? Do you think they're asking like what, type of expert could you hire to help like validate your research, you know, validate your, that the, that the moves you're making are smart, yeah. I guess. That is um, a really good question. I'm also not sure if I totally understand this, but I know in going back to software, like I know there's actually experts within their community that are like called software experts, obviously, um, that you can hire to consult for you. I'd also say like one of probably the best example of this and actually what I've used a little bit in the past um, is Zapier has a partner program that is pretty massive and with a whole bunch of like experts that you can literally hire. And those folks tend to be both coders and no code tool enthusiasts as well that you can actually hire in either an hourly or a project basis um, to learn a little bit more. I've, de I've never used in particular software as experts, but right. I have actually used a few Zapier partners in the past to figure out how to do like more complex things within Zapier. Thanks again for joining me today. As a reminder, if you're anywhere within driving or easy flying distance of London, you should come to MicroConf Local. It's next week. Head to microconf.com slash local dash London. And if you're not following MicroConf on Twitter, we're at MicroConf. Thanks again for listening. And I will be back in your ears again next week.